Welcome to the Science of Psychotherapy podcast with your hosts, Richard Hill and Matthew Darlitz. G'day and welcome to the Science of Psychotherapy podcast. I'm Matthew Darlitz, Editor-in-Chief of the Science of Psychotherapy. And as always, with the amazing Richard Hill, who just... I don't know. What do you do, Richard? Uh, well, Everything. look, I'm, I'm here being amazing as best I can, but I was fascinated. You started with G'day. Isn't that great? You know, because we want to get on. It's late in the day. Uh, we're having a great time um, uh, and uh, working on the next documentary, which is really cool. We'll have that out in a little while. So, um, but we wanted to talk to one of uh, one of our friends. Uh, one of your friends, yes. One of my friends. <laughs> uh, but... Um, uh, working in just what we've been talking about, the 21st century therapist, yep. needing to be aware and knowing about the science, but also knowing about the humanity. And she works with relaxation, but informed by psychoneuroimmunology, so PNI. And her name is Dr. Judy Lovas. And I've been listening to her talk uh, many, many times over the years. And she's got this fabulous course uh, that's starting up at Sydney University, based and organised, starting middle of March, and we'll have links and everything to this. And she's also got some fabulous short course with the uh, Social Work Association. Anyway, really good stuff. We'll talk to her about that when we go in. But uh, tell us a little bit about her. Yeah, so Dr. Judy Lovis is Australia's expert in relaxation therapy and an international speaker dedicated to teaching evidence-based relaxation skills for chronic conditions. And that's exactly what she does, but we better go off and find out what she has to say. Everything that makes us us, everything that makes me comes from within, comes from genetic expression. Um, give her a wrinkle there, make the hair grow with ice cream, as you said, you know, go grey. These are the messages that our genes are sending out and we know that stress has an impact on that genetic expression and so do the relaxation techniques like diaphragmatic breathing and guided imagery. Dr. Judy Lovers, thank you so much for joining us here on the Science of Psychotherapy podcast. It's so great to meet you. Thank you, and you too, Matthew. It's Thank you very much for the opportunity. And, of course, Richard here. Lovely to see you again, Judy. Is, Judy, it's been a while, uh, but we've, we've caught up with each other over the years, and uh, and uh, it, it was fabulous, Judy. I get the emails from Sydney University because I'm a alumni. Uh, and there was you front and centre with a new course coming up. But we want to talk about that with your wonderful work with relaxation and the interrelationship of that with uh, with science and the PNI, the psychoneuroimmunology. Uh, but can you just give us a bit of uh, bit of background? We've introduced you slightly, but just a bit of an introduction for the for the listeners as to sort of who you are, how you've got yourself to this place now, because you've been doing this stuff uh, for for a while, and you, so you, in my mind, you're one of the national experts in this. <laughs> I have been doing this for a while, and um, got to the point where I thought, well, actually, it's closer to thirty years than twenty five, but I still dare not say. <laughs> 30 years. Um, this has certainly been an evolution and one that I've um, had periods of huge frustration because of the slow progress. 
coming across the area of psychoneuroimmunology many years ago when it was not so much in its infancy but still a very new area of research and understanding that it's relevant to everything that I had done up to that point in terms of both psychology and massage therapy and seeing for many years of clinical practice and teaching in massage therapy that people come for pain, people come for stress management and so much of what um, dictates our health is comes from stress um, and the interrelationship between things like pain or psychological conditions and stress. Um, so it is quite a landmark event to have a short um, professional continuing professional development six-hour online course at the University of Sydney but I have been running short courses in PNI and in relaxation therapy for that whole time um, at, at various levels for different health professionals from yoga teachers to psychologists to I've had psychiatrists and now GPs coming um, there are a lot of dentists booked into this latest course. Um, the interest is there, uh, but as you said, it's taken many years to really, someone said the other day, it's now undeniable that the essence of psychoneuroimmunology from a scientific perspective cannot be debated, that what we understand the mind to be is um, it not just linked but virtually the same, one and the same as the body. Um, you know, uh, it's wonderful you're both nodding. <laughs> yes, no, no, but but it is so much, uh, Judy. I was, uh, I've been fortunate to be mentored by a lovely man named Ernest Rossi in, in, mm -hmm. in, in America and I was talking to him about these sorts of things some years ago and, uh, and Ada, of course, uh, who, who was there, and he said, oh, yes, well, when we were talking about and you know these guys who uh, and and women and and men who were these originators who who all chatted with each other in the eighties and nineties, mm. but it has been up to people like you, uh, and now we're sort of joining in, uh, you know, trying to do it without new book, trying to show the whole system is is relevant, and uh, and I think uh, Dan Siegel did it nicely when he said the mind is this this more this property of um, of the whole body uh, rather than just mental, you know, brain activity. Uh, but give us a little bit of a, a an, an insight in there. But I also, Matt, I can see you champing at the bit. I, I'm just wondering if... Well, if I, I just wanted just to, yeah, just to step back a little bit um, for mm. those that are not familiar with the term psychoneuroimmunology. I mean, I, I was okay. reading about this in the early 90s when I was actually at a conservatorium studying music. So, um, but I'm sure there's a lot of people that, you know, this this may be um, a new term. So if we can sort of, yeah, just lay a bit of a foundation would be great. And fascinating that, you know, psychoneuroimmunology, PNI, um, is can be related to music, to art, to play therapy, to psychology, to sports um, so psychoneuroimmunology, at its barest, simplest, most basic definition, is the study of interactions and the communications at a cellular, molecular level 
between three of our bodily systems. We have about 11, and PNI focuses on the communications between the nervous, endocrine, and immune systems. And these systems, I mean, PNI was born out of a study in the early 70s, published in 1975 in the Journal of Psychosomatic Medicine, um, where a, an immunologist and a psychologist did an experiment on rats and found that there was a relationship in terms of a communication between uh, the nervous system and the immune system. And they actually saw it within an experiment. And that was Robert Ader and Nicholas Cohen, two of the granddaddies or godfathers of psychoneuroimmunology. And they were really the first to do proper research, proper studies, when I say proper, scientific studies. Um, and it was Robert Ader who termed the coined the phrase psychoneuroimmunology. From there, since 1975, um, and it's a great, you know, you're talking about from the 90s, but it really started. PNI was born in the 70s, and it's grown and it's now grown at an exponential rate whereby the research um, is becoming more sophisticated as our um, lab techniques improve. And as our understanding changes, um, so <laughs> do you want me to keep going? I could keep no, going. No, that's that's, no, that's no, a that's good, a... good intro. Um, and yeah. and uh, it's interesting that it was it's it was that far back too, because in the nineties, when early nineties, when I was reading, it was it was like revolutionary, you know, sort of new stuff. But obviously, well, it was not. only twenty years old. But it was it was revolutionary. Yes. Yes, and and it, it continues to amaze me how slowly our thinking changes, and <laughs> things that we think are revolutionary, you know, has been documented for you know half a century. But anyway, well, there is when you say documented. First of all, PNI is based on the essences of traditional um, uh, medicines, so the classic whether it's Greek, um, Hippocrates and Galen, whether it's Ayurvedic Indian medicine, traditional Chinese medicine, indigenous traditional medicines, none of them work from a reductionist um, uh, dualism where you break down the body and the mind and you deal with one little component. Yep. All these ancient um, approaches to healing, to health, to medicine were holistic and you know words have been bandied around and some words are heavily weighted with um, different histories but the term holism means looking at everything as an entire unit and that was always done up until the middle ages and the history I personally believe that the history of medicine should be taught in every single uh, health and medical degree course. Yeah. Um, it is fascinating and I think it's critical to understand we are where we're at in the 21st century because of what's been before us. Um, so I, given that I have time, it depends on the duration of the course and the audience, 
I talk briefly about the history of medicine in the Middle Ages, that mind and body was split by the church on purpose, and modern Western medicine has had to deal with the consequences of that until 1975. Um, right. Yes, it's so interesting. I mean, it was sort of we got into this habit of uh, uh, isolating elements, which is actually fine. I mean, I we talk about this when thinking in complex systems. And, and Prigogine said the value of differentiating is so we can explore the elements to discover their richness, but to put them back into the system. And this this idea of of fencing things off. I mean, in, in psychotherapy, I mean, you know, you 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 find uh, uh, something that is beneficial for someone. Uh, you study it. You give it a, three letters. Put a fence around it and charge people twenty bucks to use it. it uh, and ne'er the twain shall meet. Whereas what you're talking here about is, as you say, there's eleven systems, but we've got this particular PNI system. And the the nature of it, I uh, I can only imagine, is what you're suggesting is that it gets out of whack. It gets out of out of uh, out of something that needs to be brought it back into something, because your work is around the usefulness of relaxation as a, a process to enable the PNI system to work better. What's the relationship? Actually, I'm mm. I'm pre guessing. Mm. Please please explain a bit more. So I guess, you know, over the, what has it been, 1975, so that's 50 years, um, uh, psychoneuroimmunology and and uh, there are different approaches. There's also PNIE, which is psychoneuroimmunological endocrinology, or you can put the endocrinology before the um, immunology, it doesn't matter. But this area has, um, depends on who's studying it. And, in fact, Robert Ada wrote a beautiful article about who and what is psychoneuroimmunology. It depends on the teacher. It depends on the audience, the participants, the students. Um, I come from a psychology and massage therapy background, and that led me to an interest in the effects of stress on our health and well-being, both mental and physical, um, other people now there's a huge area of PNI based on oncology, looking at the way cancers develop, the way treatments can work from a PNI perspective. Um, an endocrinologist might look at diabetes from a PNI point of view. So I've developed this niche market. I, I really don't know anyone else who's doing exactly what I'm doing. But, I mean, there are people now overseas, not in Australia, who are doing similar things. Um, but it's looking at okay, PNI developed originally because of. Um, observations of what stress, be it psychological, be it physical, does to us, our minds and our bodies. And then there was this natural progression. So from the 70s to the 90s or the 2000s, we looked at every kind of stress from extreme cold weather to, to injury to uh, Alzheimer's or arthritis or different diseases and how they are seen from a PNI perspective. And I continued along the that natural progression. Okay, we know that stress is immunosuppressant. That was established without a shadow of doubt by the 90s. 
And the natural progression was, okay, what can relaxation do if stress is so bad for our immunity, for our neurological functioning, for our endocrinological functioning? And that's where I've gone. And that came from being a massage therapist initially um, and then looking at hands-on techniques to relax, looking at diaphragmatic breathing to relax, looking at guided imagery and different um, evidence-based interventions that cut the circuit, cut the vicious cycle mm. of stress, ill health, mental um, conditions, physical conditions, more stressful. Yeah. So, right, yeah, because it can be a positive feedback loop, right? It is. And that's, yeah, that's what yes. it is. And of course, can be the negative feedback loop, which is when it falls apart. I mean, my wife's a remedial massage therapist, and she's also a nurse and lifestyle medicine. So, like you, very, very advanced, and a mental health nurse as well. God, you know, right. she looks after everything. Uh, you'd love her. But um, but we had a client the other day who uh, for stress, and she does it a lot. Susie does it for pain as well, which yes. is also the stress is part it's of the painful experience. Yep. Yeah. And uh, and the the client came for uh, a massage for 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 resolve you know releasing and relieving some anxiety and that's actually what I would have would have prescribed as as a therapist uh, mm, don't talk yeah, to me yeah. go and go and do something physically so so when you're when you're teaching and in in the course this is uh, this uh, work uh, of relaxation involves another uh, uh, self practices. Um, but as also interpersonal practices, what are some of the things that uh, people can do and that you teach? Um, I guess the only way to teach psychoneuroimmunology-informed or based relaxation therapies is to, first of all, give these you know, health and medical practitioners the science and the evidence. So that's the theoretical component of much of my teaching. Here's the latest evidence that shows that guided imagery um, has been examined on these particular biological and psychological outcomes. Um, so that's the theory. Then there's two parts to the prac, and teaching this is truly a win-win situation for the participants. First and foremost, they need to practice uh, what we preach. So in order to bring these relaxation skills into the clinical practice, you need to be practicing yourself. You need to be comfortable. You need to know the benefits, the disadvantages, the difficulties, the great breakthroughs, the um, impact of regular practice. That is the first step, the personal practice. Um, and then from there grows the clinical experience so I talk about riding a car or uh, riding a bike or driving a car or using a psychotherapy intervention or putting in a catheter or baking a souffle it doesn't matter in order to be proficient you need to practice regularly mm. so the emphasis is on personal practice first and then continuously regularly and then start with family and friends practicing how to implement and how to teach relaxation skills, relaxation interventions like diaphragmatic breathing 
and guided imagery. Yeah. Well, one of the fascinating things that I'm going back 30 years, so I can't, I can't remember, I can't recall the, the, the studies, but I do remember reading about um, oncology studies with children with leukemia using guided imagery, you know, and they are imagining, you know, their immune system being active and that they had some amazing results. And way back then I thought, wow, um, mm. this, this, this is going to overtake oncology, you know, and, and it's going to be everywhere, but it's not. So, it's not everywhere, but since you read those articles, progress has certainly been made. So we have, like even here in Sydney, the um, Chris O'Brien Lifehouse, which mm-hmm. is a dedicated unit at Prince of Wales Hospital, dedicated to a, a evidence-based holistic approach to cancers. Um, right. They have oncology-trained massage therapists they have mindfulness, they have, um, I I don't know what else, but a range of practitioners available to the patients there. And and that's run by by doctors and set up by doctors. So I see here in 2023, the beginning of 2023, I see great progress, albeit painfully slow. Uh, I also believe that progress is now improving and advancing at an exponential rate it's getting faster it's becoming more do you know I actually remember in um in the early 90s when I was teaching massage therapy at TAFE I did quietly say to the students so quietly it would never be heard on a podcast that um we're waiting for this generation this generation of practitioners to leave to right. take yes. their old-fashioned limited perspectives mm. and bow out for <laughs> in whatever way. And I see now, I mean, I have um, lots of avenues to see new practitioners, whether they're yoga teachers, psychotherapists, massage therapists, psychiatrists, um, and they are open. They're not just open to a holistic approach that is evidence-based, but they're embracing it. Yeah. Yes, it's it's just a it's becoming a more natural aspect, and and certainly part of the work that that Matt and I are doing, and I'm actually pursuing a PhD to to now finally got a question, but we're talking about this um, uh, it, going further than than person centred, going further than just interpersonal, and actually celebrating this this responsiveness that that can occur between people, a sort of a uh, an attuned rapport. And uh, and I think I see it most expressively in massage, uh, in massage therapy, uh, when, when Sue is talking. And she has actually, she finds herself going to all p- different parts of the, the, the body, um, not necessarily under instructions of where the pain are, but in relation to the conversation between the hands and, and the tissue. And I think this is something that we lose as as uh, as individuals, and of course we have a lot now uh, that's dealing with self awareness and proprioception activities. There's a whole new thing that's coming up there, an interoception. interoception. Yeah, and how how does that incorporate it in in some of the things you talk about, or is that you know? I, I, it certainly is, and I'll come back to interoception. But you were talking about 
you sort of the union or the understanding and the the communication for a massage therapist with the body. What excites me about psychoneuroimmunology born from a study between an immunologist and and a psychologist is that it encourages networking. So a massage therapist will refer to a to a psychologist, will refer to a dietitian, um, will recommend um, an exercise physiologist, and so it goes. And and even with psychiatrists and um, at all levels, dentists, they recognise increasingly that they deal with people's anxieties and they need, in order to perform dentistry to the best of their ability, they need to be able to reduce a patient's anxiety. And that's where the relaxation uh, comes in. So, you know, we talk about multidisciplinary and uh, um, approaches to health and what how that is represented within 21st century healthcare. And PNI is the evidence of the need and the benefits for that multidisciplinary approach. Um, you, we also then you touched on um, uh, interoception. There, um, uh, I'm trying to think of the researcher's name. He's American. I think it's Jareth, J-E-R-A-T-H. He looks at diaphragmatic breathing. Um, if it, if the other person I'm thinking of will come to mind in a second. There are two researchers in uh, I'm thinking of in these areas. Um, They talk about interception of the respiratory system and we actually have multiple pathways. Like you know that you're going to do a hiccup. That's a one, you know you're going to yawn, you know you're going to sigh. They're different respiratory neurological pathways up to Mm. the brain Mm. and they all have different influences and some people have a better insight into them pni can actually at some levels and it depends on the practitioner it depends on the patient can um, encourage a greater interception a greater understanding of one's own physiology right it's endless yeah 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 and it's wonderful to see then now there is a bit of there is more of an uptake um of this because we've we've seen efficacy we've talked to we've talked to a number of people about um biofeedback neurofeedback and there's there's great efficacy in in some of those practices but boy it has taken a long time um taken for, far <laughs> for the, too long yeah and and there are I'm actually working with uh some academics in at the University of Haifa in Israel who are doing diaphragmatic breathing and guided imagery and progressive muscle relaxation with very simple biofeedback, Um, uh, you know, they're they're the high-tech guys. Um, So they've they've devised very simple application of um, hardware, you know, just on your Mm -hmm. fingertip, and they can tell heart rate variability, with diaphragmatic breathing, without diaphragmatic breathing. So, um, you know, great advances, painfully slow. Painfully slow. Yeah. It's a, it's a, I mean, it's, a, it is interesting, these, 
these processes. I, I did a, a workshop a couple of years ago uh, in America called Almost Everything I Know uh, in Psychotherapy I Learned in Acting School. Yeah. Uh, and largely because of the, the fact that acting school is a very self-awareness developing mm-hmm. thing because you have mm-hmm. to learn many aspects of yourself. But, of course, we learn to uh, to to speak. We learn to to speak properly. Uh, uh, Breathe this, properly. Yeah, this, <laughs> yeah. this 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 voice was was worse than this when I was younger. But I was, but also I was a singer, and this diaphragmatic breathing has been a natural part of my life since I was thirteen, and I started. Mm. Uh, and I, I remember my my singing teacher would grasp my hand at fourteen years of age and plunge it onto her diaphragm and breathe furiously, mm. which as a fourteen year old boy I found very distressing. But she um, plunged it onto your diaphragm. That's right. We're going back a few years when I'm no longer fourteen. But but this is so not known. And the more we have this sitting down stuff, uh, you know, where we're sitting a lot for all our practices, it's harder and harder to get the diaphragm to be engaged. And I'm, I'm, you know, you've mentioned several types of breathing. These are the things that you're teaching uh, in the course. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, and and will be so helpful. How, how are they taking that? Because it's at Sydney Uni, it's very academic, but they're also very forward thinking as well. Very forward thinking. And I think, um, look, obviously people who um, pay the money and give up the time, it is only six-ish hours. It's a few, a few, a little bit more because there's work to be done outside those six hours. But six to eight hours, let's say eight-hour short course, it's self-selecting the people who um, will uh, participate, who are participating, are self-selecting. Um, what fascinates me and has never ceased to fascinate me in these over 25 years is how utterly simple the relaxation techniques are mm-hmm. and how increasingly complex the research to support these simple techniques is becoming. I mean, in the lab, research is looking at no longer the system or the organ and the cell or the molecule. We're looking at chromosomal activity. We're looking at telomere um, uh, activity on the ends of chromosomes and inside the chromosomes. Research is investigating the effects of stressors and different relaxation on genetic expression, on the messages that the genes are sending out. And, you know, our genes are sending out messages 24-7. You know, at 15, my genetic expression was stop growing while all the other girls are growing, Um, you know, and and then everything that makes us, us, everything that makes me comes from within, comes from genetic expression. Um, give her a wrinkle there, make the hair grow with ice cream, as you said, you know, go grey. These are the messages that our genes are sending out. And mm. we know that stress has an impact on that genetic expression. And so do the relaxation techniques like diaphragmatic breathing and guided imagery. It's a beautiful yeah. balance. Yeah. The techniques yeah. are simple. The science is now increasingly 
fascinating. Yeah, Do you think just, that's a bit of a stumbling block for people that when the techniques are so simple and people think, oh, something so simple couldn't have such an impact? Mm. <laughs> it, yeah. Well, yeah, good question. I guess it depends, and this is part of what I teach in a course like at Sydney Uni, how do you apply this clinically? So if you yeah. have a patient who says, oh, boo-ha-ha, you know, this is rubbish, It's whether it's too simple, it can't be true, or I couldn't be bothered, or it's, you know, part of being um, the informed practitioner is knowing what to say, how to convince them, and you always come back to the research. It yeah. is undeniable. I quite like that term now, which somebody said this week. The, the evidence is undeniable, rock solid, um, repeated, um, randomised controlled trials that are the gold stamp of research. Um, so I always come back to we know that this works. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I, because I, I, Ernie, uh, Ernie Rossi, who wrote the psychobiology of gene expression and, you know, early 2000, 2000, mm-hmm. 2001, mm-hmm. he's talking about that. And, and he said to me, when Matt's sort of facing this, this very, very question, he said, it's, he said, it is really interesting because people were saying, your book is so complicated and it's so difficult to read and all that sort of thing. He said, isn't it interesting? Nature makes, uh, the most effective and beneficial processes for our health and well-being so simple. Nature didn't invent research. Uh, yeah. And yeah. it was just a very nice way of saying it, that we're, it nature wants it to be simple. Uh, mm-hmm. And for you to think that That's, nature wanted to do this silly thing. You know. At the same time, you know, 30 whatever years of of study has made me think how incredibly complex the human being and I no yeah. longer talk about the human body or the human mind but I prefer to talk about the human yeah. being yeah you know we're we're discovering the complexities of it all the time I think um you mentioned Richard earlier um lifestyle medicine so relaxation therapy as a therapeutic evidence-based intervention falls under lifestyle medicine Mm. and I know that there are university courses around the world now medical degrees that are starting to include subjects or courses of lifestyle medicine and what's more the students in this university med degree for that subject have to live so to pass that subject in lifestyle medicine, they have to assess changes in their diet, in their exercise, in their social life, mm. in their relaxation and stress management. And, you know, we've been working towards that for so long. <laughs> yes, we've got to practice yeah. what we preach. So the, yes, I know Alma, the, the, the association here, Susie's a fellow of that, uh, the, the, and the, around the world. They, in Europe, though, this has been a lot more. I mean, psychosomatic uh, uh, medicine was was um, uh, more established. Was harder to knock off its perch over there. So there's still quite a lot of talk. Germany uh, and Scandinavia and uh, uh, Italy. There's quite a bit of stuff going on. So, so this mm. this sort of process is of what takes priority is more just an interesting socio political thing. Uh, or 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 a difficult socio-political thing because as you say, the evidence that we've got is undeniable. 
um, that just means it was undeniable before. We just didn't have the the the, the socio political mechanism to say oh, it was undeniable. No, no. Well, socio political. We didn't have the the extent of hardcore, mm. what I call hardcore science and evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, I started all those years ago because it was instinctively correct, and that's mm. why I did a master's degree and a PhD so that. I could be that one drop in the ocean of research and make a difference. Mm-hmm. And we are at that point now. Yes, there's socioeconomic, there's political and financial constraints, but I also believe it's a generational thing. And mm-hmm. as I, you know, maybe am at the end of my working life or the last, you know, I mean, I don't intend to give up this work for a long time, but I see the new practitioners, the, the the med students, the nursing students, the yoga training, you know, programs, whatever, all health and medical professionals who are starting out now will take this for granted. They're not going to have to mm. have a podcast to be convinced about mind-body connections. Mm. Mm. I, I, I think one of one of our jobs is in in the I mean, we're in the business of translational science, right? We we have yes. to translate the science to the to the client, and, it, and, and I it's used a, to have that as my blurb. I translate yeah. science to clinical applications. Yeah, because there's a way of describing maybe the correlation between stress and the unraveling of telomeres that would just make people's eyes glaze over. But if we can if we can explain it in a way um, that is compelling um, and and simple. And this is and, actually one of the things met with Judy's work. Uh, done a yeah. number of her workshops, and and it is you just sit there and you go, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah. And it's been a, you know, I think that's why I, I think you're one of the best in the country with this. Thank you. I think compelling and simple. I have strived to to explain complex science. I mean, I, you know, there's a lot I don't understand, and I am, I am. You know, no expert in immunology. I am no expert in neuroscience, um, but my niche market is how PNI provides evidence for relaxation therapy. And if I can take a few minutes with the onset of more and more online teaching, um, I know that for, for a lot of new students who are at university and doing online courses, not just a short CPD course, but doing online degrees, um, they want the bells and the whistles. They want those extra teaching skills. And that's a generational thing as well. I do know that in two hours, I believe, I mean, experience and feedback tells me that I can tell a captivating story. I can take these complex um, scientific research um, outcomes and explain why it is so important in the clinical setting and relate it to relaxation therapy. And that's my gig. Yes. Uh, that, and, that, you know, <laughs> uh, 
So we continue to love. <laughs> and you continue to love. And 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 I was very excited, Matt, and I'm very excited to see it out there. So we're, we're sort of getting to a point that where it's sort of getting ready to wrap up. And, um, uh, we, you know, we'll, we'll highlight again uh, uh, about the course that's going to be starting in mid-March uh, and that um, we'll have links in the, the show notes and various things because we, we want as many people... Uh, we want people to get interested in this. Uh, we want them to do the course, but even if you're not sure, go and check it out and start thinking about when you'll do it next time. So, um, so this will be available. Uh, but uh, having gone through and talked about a lot of things, uh, what have we missed, Judy? Is there anything? Is there just sort of a, a roundup that you want to that you can give? What 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 can I we think, do? I think it's it's exciting times. I've had periods of, and I think I mentioned it at the beginning enormous frustrations where I was knocking on doors saying, look, you know, can we include massage therapy into this course? Can you talk about psychoneuroimmunology to these practitioners? Um, and and doors were shut in my face. And, you know, interesting but not interested was the general approach. <laughs> yeah. And that is not the case anymore. I do believe that Australia is a little bit too conservative but it is changing and there are there's evidence of, of healthcare changing. Um, you know, I know that there are medical centres specialising in neuroscience for neurological rehab that have a holistic approach. There are, it's changing. Um, I think PNI pra- practitioners with a PNI understanding change the way they practice, even if it's slightly even if it's simply including into the medical history, what do you do for relaxation? When you're really, really stressed, where do you feel it? How do you respond behaviourally? Even if it's one or two questions that you include into your medical or clinical case history, um, that is um, a PNI, more of a PNI approach. It's very exciting times now, and particularly as new people are coming through and will be the practitioners of the fourth, fifth and sixth decades of the 21st century. Fantastic. Well, that's a, that's a, a, a resounding roundup, a beautiful, beautiful thing. And it's exactly, uh, as everybody knows, we work so keen on the 21st century therapist is just going to be more exciting. Uh, yeah. There's there's more for them to look at, but it's it will become more exciting and more effective. And that is what will make our work more exciting too, is when we feel ourselves supported, as you say, by the, the evidence, a, a sense of confidence to proceed the way we're going and, uh, and, and also to be to be producing um, this, these yeah. effective things with clients. Yeah. Wonderful. Richard, and, Matthew, thank you for the opportunity to speak about PNI and relaxation therapy. Thank you so much, Judy, for being with us here on The Science of Psychotherapy. It was really good to talk yeah. to Judy again. I haven't. I realise I probably hasn't seen her for ten years. Wow, and I've, I've yeah. got a, I've got a bit grey. <laughs> <laughs> what a fascinating topic, though. And I remember, you know, reading about um, psychoneuroimmunology, you know, decades ago. And it's just so good to hear that it is really starting to gain traction now. Yeah, and this integration with knowledge and humanism, um, mm. where it, it's not about separating things and leaving them separating, it's about 
understanding things, enriching things, and bringing them all back together. Right? Uh, so it's really great. I hope people go off and do the course and yeah. uh, bring themselves up to speed. And, you know, we talk about it a bit in the book, um, but Judy really will give you a really solid uh, insight into it and very practical activities that you can utilize with yourself and with your clients. Fantastic. So there will be a link in the show notes for that course. And this is for March 2023, for those who are catching this uh, a little later down the track. And also we've got an article uh, from Judy in our February issue of the Science of Psychotherapy as well. So uh, for now, Matt, I think we'll just say uh, bye-bye. Just remembering, everybody, come to our YouTube channel, mm-hmm. come to our academy, become members, uh, keep uh, keep these fabulous podcasts alive and, and gabbing by just a little bit of support. Fantastic. Thanks, everybody, for joining us here on the Science of Psychotherapy podcast, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the Science of Psychotherapy podcast. For more great science, Go to the science of psychotherapy.com.